Podcastle, episode 162, for June 21st, 2011. Gods of the North, featuring Conan the Barbarian. That's right, kids, we got Conan for you this week. Written by the one and only Robert E. Howard. Rated R for violence. With this one, you know things are going to be a bit messy. Hello and welcome back to Podcastle. I'm Dave Thompson and you heard right. This week it's on. This week it's summertime fireworks. And we're running a story featuring one of the most iconic characters in fantasy fiction. Robert E. Howard's Conan. I talked just a couple of weeks back about how one of our goals at Podcastle is to explore all kinds of fantasy fiction. Stuff that really pushes the boundaries of the genre. But sometimes, all you really want is a snow-covered battlefield splattered with the blood of your enemies, a sword in your hand, and a loincloth. Well, maybe not a loincloth. I mean, something more than a loincloth. I guess if you want to wear something less than a loincloth, there's nothing really wrong with that. Just as long as it's not in public. Unless, of course, you're at the San Diego Comic-Con, or you happen to be an actual barbarian king. And no... Former California state governors no longer qualify for that. As much as we love the exploration of fantasy, one of the things fantasy's built on, part of its heritage, is Robert E. Howard's legendary Conan. So we at Podcastle are incredibly proud to present this week Gods of the North featuring Conan the Barbarian by Robert E. Howard. Originally published way back in Fantasy Fan in 1934, Robert Irvin Howard, a Texan, started writing Conan stories in 1932, just a couple of years before this story was published. He sold them mostly to Weird Tales magazine, and it didn't take long for the character to become a wild success. He certainly wasn't a stranger to writing and selling fantasy fiction before that. He'd already written stories featuring Cole the Conqueror and Solomon Cain, and he's considered the father of sword and sorcery. When you're looking for other people who have been as influential in the fantasy genre, The only author who tops him is probably J.R.R. Tolkien. He sold his first Cole story to Weird Tales for a hundred bucks, and since then, his most popular creation, Conan, has appeared not only in the old pulps he used to write for, but his movies, including a new one coming out this summer, television shows, comic books, games, and best of all, heavy metal music. He lived a short life, dying at only 30 years of age committing suicide in a hospital parking lot when he was told his mother's long deteriorating health had come to an end and she'd never regained consciousness. The story is read for you by Graham Dunlop, escape artist's own barbarian king from down under, who spends his nights working at the pseudopod towers where he serves as sound producer. So bundle up, there's a chill in the air. Ask yourselves, do you want to live forever? And enjoy the story. Gods of the North by Robert E. Howard The clangor of the swords had died away. The shouting of the slaughter was hushed. Silence lay on the red-stained snow. The bleak pale sun that glittered so blindingly from the ice fields and the snow-covered plains struck sheens of silver from rent corslet and broken blade where the dead lay as they had fallen. The nerveless hand yet gripped the broken hilt. Helmeted heads back drawn in the death throes, tilted red beards and golden beards grimly upward, as if in last invocation to Ymir the frost giant, god of a warrior race. 
Across the red drifts and mail-clad forms, two figures glared at each other. In that utter desolation only they moved. The frosty sky was over them, the white illimitable plain around them, the dead men at their feet. Slowly through the corpses they came, as ghosts might come to a tryst through the shambles of a dead world. In the brooding silence they stood face to face. Both were tall men, built like tigers. Their shields were gone, their corslets battered and dinted. Blood dried on their mail, their swords were stained red. Their horned helmets showed the marks of fierce strokes. One was beardless and black-maned. The locks and beard of the other were red as the blood on the sunlit snow. Man, said he, tell me your name so that my brothers in Vanaheim may know who was the last of Wolfhair's band to fall before the sword of Heimdall. Not in Vanaheim, growled the black-haired warrior, but in Valhalla will you tell your brothers that you met Conan of Cimmeria. Heimdall roared and leaped, and his sword flashed in deadly arc. Conan staggered, and his vision was filled with red sparks as the singing blade crashed on his helmet, shivering into bits of blue fire. But as he reeled, he thrust with all the power of his broad shoulders behind the humming blade. The sharp point tore through brass scales and bones and heart, and the red-haired warrior died at Conan's feet. The Cimmerian stood upright, trailing his sword, a sudden sick weariness assailing him. The glare of the sun on the snow cut his eyes like a knife, and the sky seemed shrunken and strangely apart. He turned away from the trampled expanse where yellow-bearded warriors lay locked with red-haired slayers in the embrace of death. A few steps he took, and the glare of the snowfields was suddenly dimmed. A rushing wave of blindness engulfed him, and he sank down into the snow, supporting himself on one mailed arm, seeking to shake the blindness out of his eyes as a lion might shake his mane. A silvery laugh cut through his dizziness, and his sight cleared slowly. He looked up. There was a strangeness about all the landscape that he could not place or define, an unfamiliar tinge to earth and sky. But he did not think long of this. Before him, swaying like a sapling in the wind, stood a woman. Her body was like ivory to his dazed gaze, and save for a light veil of gossamer, she was naked as the day. Her slender bare feet were whiter than the snow they spurned. She laughed down at the bewildered warrior. Her laughter was sweeter than the rippling of silvery fountains, and poisonous with cruel mockery. Who are you? asked the Cimmerian. Whence come you? What matter? Her voice was more musical than a silver-stringed harp, but it was edged with cruelty. Call up your men, said he, grasping his sword. Yet though my strength fail me, they shall not take me alive. I see that you are of the Vanir. Have I said so? His gaze went again to her unruly locks, which at first glance he had thought to be red. Now he saw that they were neither red nor yellow, but a glorious compound of both colours. He gazed, spellbound. Her hair was like elfin gold, 
The sun struck it so dazzlingly that he could scarcely bear to look upon it. Her eyes were likewise neither wholly blue nor wholly grey, but of shifting colours and dancing lights and clouds of colours he could not define. Her full red lips smiled, and from her slender feet to the blinding crown of her billowy hair, her ivory body was as perfect as the dream of a god. Conan's pulse hammered in his temples. I cannot tell, said he, whether you are of Vanaheim and mine enemy, or of Asgard and my friend. Far have I wandered, but a woman like you I have never seen. Your locks blind me with their brightness. Never have I seen such hair, not even amongst the fairest daughters of the Aesir. By Ymir. Who are you to swear by Ymir, she mocked. What know you of the gods of ice and snow, you who have come up from the south to adventure among an alien people? By the dark gods of my own race, he cried in anger. Though I'm not of the golden-haired Aesir, none has been more forward in swordplay. This day I have seen fourscore men fall, and I alone have survived the field where Wolfhair's reavers met the wolves of Bragi. Tell me, woman, have you seen the flash of mail out across the snow plains, or seen armed men moving upon the ice? I have seen the hoarfrost glittering in the sun, she answered. I've heard the wind whispering across the everlasting snows. He shook his head with a sigh. Njord should have come up with us before the battle joined. I fear he and his fighting men have been ambushed. Wolfhair and his warriors lie dead. I'd thought there was no village within many leagues of this spot, for the war carried us far. But you cannot have come a great distance over these snows, naked as you are. Lead me to your tribe, if you are of Asgard, for I am faint with blows and the weariness of strife. My village is further than you can walk, Conan of Cimmeria, she laughed. Spreading her arms wide, she swayed before him, her golden head lolling sensuously, her scintillant eyes half-shadowed beneath their long silken lashes. Am I not beautiful, O oh man? Like dawn running naked on the snows, he muttered, his eyes burning like those of a wolf. Then why do you not rise and follow me? Who is the strong warrior who falls down before me? She chanted in maddening mockery. Lie down and die in the snow with the other fools, Conan of the black hair. You cannot follow where I would lead. With an oath, the Cimmerian heaved himself up on his feet, his blue eyes blazing, his dark scarred face contorted. Rage shook his soul, but desire for the taunting figure before him hammered at his temples and drove his wild blood fiercely through his veins. Passion, fierce as physical agony, flooded his whole being, so that earth and sky swam red to his dizzy gaze. In the madness that swept upon him, weariness and faintness were swept away. He spoke no word as he drove at her, fingers spread to grip her soft flesh. With a shriek of laughter she leaped back and ran, laughing at him over her white shoulder. With a low growl Conan followed. He had forgotten the fight, forgotten the mailed warriors who lay in their blood, forgotten the Ord and the Reavers who had failed to reach the fight. He had thought only for the slender white shape which seemed to float rather than run before him. Out across the white blinding plain the chase led. 
The trampled red field fell out of sight behind him, but still Conan kept on with the silent tenacity of his race. His mailed feet broke through the frozen crust. He sank deep in the drifts and forged through them by sheer strength. But the girl danced across the snow, light as a feather floating across a pool. Her naked feet barely left their imprint on the hoar-frost that overlaid the crust. In spite of the fire in his veins, the cold bit through the warrior's mail and fur-lined tunic, but the girl and her gossamer veil ran as lightly, as gaily, as if she danced through the palm and rose gardens of Poetain. On and on she led, and Conan followed. Black curses drooled through the Cimmerian's parched lips. The great veins in his temple swelled and throbbed, and his teeth gnashed. You cannot escape me, he roared. Lead me into a trap, and I'll pile the heads of your kinsmen at your feet. Hide from me, and I'll tear apart the mountains to find you. I'll follow you to hell. Her maddening laughter floated back to him, and foam flew from the barbarian's lips. Further and further into the wastes she led him. The land changed, the wide plains gave way to low hills, marching upward in broken ranges. Far to the north he caught a glimpse of towering mountains, blue with the distance or white with the eternal snows. Above these mountains shone the flaring rays of the Borealis. They spread fanwise into the sky, frosty blades of cold flaming light, changing in colour, growing and brightening. Above him the skies glowed and crackled with strange lights and gleams. The snow shone weirdly, now frosty blue, now icy crimson, now cold silver. Through a shimmering icy realm of enchantment, Conan plunged doggedly onward, in a crystalline maze where the only reality was the white body dancing across the glittering snow beyond his reach, ever beyond his reach. He did not wonder at the strangeness of it all, not even when two gigantic figures rose up to bar his way. The scales of their mail were white with hoar-frost, their helmets and their axes were covered with ice. Snow sprinkled their locks, in their beards were spikes of icicles, their eyes were cold as the lights that streamed above them. Brothers, cried the girl, dancing between them, look who follows, I've brought you a man to slay, take his heart that we may lay it smoking on our father's board. The giants answered with roars like the grinding of icebergs on a frozen shore and heaved up their shining axes as the maddened Cimmerian hurled themselves upon them. A frosty blade flashed before his eyes, blinding him with its brightness, and he gave back a terrible stroke that sheared through his foe's thigh. With a groan the victim fell, and at the instant Conan was dashed into the snow, his left shoulder numb from the blow of the survivor, from which the Sumerian's mail had barely saved his life. Conan saw the remaining giant looming high above him like a colossus carved of ice, etched against the cold glowing sky. The axe fell to sink through the snow and deep into the frozen earth as Conan hurled himself aside and leaped to his feet. A giant roared and wrenched his axe free, but even as he did, Conan's sword sang down, the giant's knees bent and he sank slowly into the snow, which turned crimson with the blood that gushed from his half-severed neck. 
Karen wheeled to see the girl standing a short distance away, staring at him in wide-eyed horror, all the mockery gone from her face. He cried out fiercely and the blood drops flew from his sword as his hand shook in the intensity of his passion. Call the rest of your brothers, he cried. I'll give their hearts to the wolves. You cannot escape me. With a cry of fright, she turned and ran fleetly. She did not laugh now, nor mock him over her white shoulder. She ran as for her life, and though he strained every nerve and thew until his temples were like to burst and the snow swam red to his gaze, she drew away from him, dwindling in the witch-fire of the skies, until she was a figure no bigger than a child, then a dancing white flame on the snow, then a dim blur in the distance. But grinding his teeth until the blood started from his gums, he reeled on, and he saw the blur grow to a dancing white flame, and the flame to a figure big as a child, and then she was running less than a hundred paces ahead of him, and slowly the space narrowed, foot by foot. She was running with effort now, her golden locks blowing free. He heard the quick panting of her breath, and saw a flash of fear in the look she cast over her white shoulder. The grim endurance of the barbarian had served him well. The speed ebbed from her flashing white legs. She reeled in her gait. In his untamed soul leaped up the fires of hell she'd fanned so well. With an inhuman roar he closed in on her, just as she wheeled with a haunting cry and flung out her arms to fend him off. His sword fell into the snow as he crushed her to him. Her lithe body bent backward as she fought with desperate frenzy in his iron arms. Her golden hair blew about his face, blinding him with its sheen. The feel of her slender body twisting in his mailed arms drove him to blinder madness. His strong fingers sank deep into her smooth flesh, and that flesh was cold as ice. It was as if he embraced not a woman of human flesh and blood, but a woman of flaming ice. She writhed her golden head aside, striving to avoid the fierce kisses that bruised her red lips. "'You're cold as the snows,' he mumbled dazedly. "'I will warm you with the fire in my own blood.' With a scream and a desperate wrench she slipped from his arms, leaving her single gossamer garment in his grasp. She sprang back and faced him, her golden locks in wild disarray, her white bosom heaving, her beautiful eyes blazing with terror. For an instant he stood frozen, awed by her terrible beauty as she posed naked against the snows. And in that instant she flung her arms toward the lights that glowed in the skies above her and cried out in a voice that rang in Conan's ears forever after, Emir! Oh, my father, save me! Conan was leaping forward, arms spread to seize her, crack like the breaking of an ice mountain, the whole skies leaped into icy fire. The girl's ivory body was suddenly enveloped in a cold blue flame so blinding that the Sumerian threw up his hands to shield his eyes from the intolerable blaze. A fleeting instant, skies and snowy hills were bathed in crackling white flames, blue darts of icy light, and frozen crimson fires. Then Conan staggered and cried out, the girl was gone. The glowing snow lay empty and bare. High above his head, the witch lights flashed and played in a frosty sky gone mad, 
and among the distant blue mountains there sounded a rolling thunder as of a gigantic war chariot rushing behind steeds whose frantic hoofs struck lightning from the snows and echoes from the skies. Then suddenly the Borealis, the snow-clad hills and the blazing heavens reeled drunkenly to Conan's sight. Thousands of fireballs burst with showers of sparks, and the sky itself became a titanic wheel which rained stars as it spun. Under his feet the snowy hills heaved up like a wave, and the Sumerian crumpled into the snows to lie motionless. In a cold, dark universe whose sun was extinguished eons ago, Conan felt the movement of life, alien and unguessed. An earthquake had him in its grip and was shaking him to and fro, at the same time chafing his hands and feet until he yelled in pain and fury and groped for his sword. "'He's coming too, Horsa,' said a voice. "'Haste! We must rub the frost out of his limbs if he's ever going to wield sword again.' He won't open his left hand, growled another. He's clutching something. Kernan opened his eyes and stared into the bearded faces that bent over him. He was surrounded by tall, golden-haired warriors in mail and furs. Conan, you live! By Krom, Niord, gasped the Sumerian. Am I alive or are we all dead and in Valhalla? We live, grunted the Aesir busy over Conan's half-frozen feet. We had to fight our way through an ambush, or we had come up with you before the battle was joined. The corpses were scarce cold when we came upon the field. We did not find you among the dead, so we followed your spore. In Ymir's name, Conan, why did you wander off into the wastes of the north? We followed your tracks in the snow for hours. Had a blizzard come up and hidden them, we had never found you by Ymir. Swear not so often by Ymir, uneasily muttered a warrior, glancing at the distant mountains. This is his land, and the god bides among yonder mountains, the legends say. I saw a woman, Conan answered hazily. We met Braggy's men in the plains. I know not how long we fought. I alone lived. I was dizzy and faint. The land lay like a dream before me. Only now do all things seem natural and familiar. The woman came and taunted me. She was beautiful as a frozen flame from hell. A strange madness fell upon me when I looked at her. So I forgot all else in the world. I followed her. Did you not find her tracks or the giants in icy mail I slew? Niord shook his head. We found only your tracks in the snow, Conan. Then it may be I am mad, said Conan dazedly. Yet you yourself are no more real to me than was the golden-locked witch who fled naked across the snows before me. Yet from under my very hands she vanished in icy flame. He's delirious, whispered a warrior. Not so, cried an older man, whose eyes were wild and weird. It was Atali, the daughter of Ymir, the frost giant. To fields of the dead she comes and shows herself to the dying. Myself, when a boy, I saw her, when I lay half slain on the bloody field of Woolraven, 
I saw her walk among the dead in the snows, her naked body gleaming like ivory, and her golden hair unbearably bright in the moonlight. I lay and howled like a dying dog because I could not crawl after her. She lures men from the stricken fields into the wastelands to be slain by her brothers, the ice giants, who lay men's red hearts smoking on Emir's board. The Cimmerian has seen Atali, the frost giant's daughter. Bah, grunted Horsa. Old Gorm's mind was touched in his youth by a sword cut on the head. Conan was delirious from the fury of the battle. Look how his helmet is dented. Any of those blows might have addled his brain. It was an hallucination he followed into the wastes. He's from the south. What does he know of Atali? You speak truth, perhaps, muttered Conan. It was all strange and weird. By Crom! He broke off glaring at the object that still dangled from his clenched left fist. The others gaped silently at the veil he held up, a wisp of gossamer that was never spun by human distaff. And welcome back. <laughs> what the hell do I say after a Conan story? I hope you enjoyed it and hope it made you thirst for more. Thank Crom for the public domain. Alright, let's lay our swords down for a minute and skip over to feedback. This week it's for CSE Cooney's Household Spirits, read by Bob Eccles and Brian Lieberman. The story about a father and son on a very different kind of frontier and the ghost chained there with them. Response to this one was generally positive, Forumites really liked it, and really seemed to enjoy having an excuse to use epistolary in their comments. Like Swamp, who said, I love stories in the epistolary format. Yes, there is always more detailed information than one could actually write in a letter, but that doesn't bother me. This was great storytelling regardless of form. I loved what we learned about the ghosts and also what we didn't. So much mystery surrounds them, and we are only given a glimpse. Dave said this was one of his favorite CSE Cooney stories and added, Despite the straightforwardness of the plot, I found a lot of subtlety in the relationships that really made this story rise above the frontier boy finds acceptance with the natives trope. Especially important in my opinion, it steers well clear of the magical white boy trope that's worn a tired groove in our cultural consciousness. Very cool, thanks for those comments, guys. Please drop by forum.escapeartist.net to be our forum spirits and let us know how we're doing and how you like the stories. And if you like what we're doing, please consider making a donation to us at podcastle.org. All donations are greatly appreciated, every single one of them, no matter how much you can give. That said, if you can afford to give a little extra, a monthly subscription of $5 or more or a one-time donation of $50, We'll give you a little extra back in the form of the Alphabet Quartet. A new flash fiction collaboration of 26 plus stories by Tim Pratt, Jen Reese, Heather Shaw, and Greg Van Eekout. It's our way of saying thanks for helping keep the Frost Giants off our backs. If you can't donate, please blog, Twitter, write a review on iTunes about us, or just tell a friend. 
We really can't do any of this without you. Thank you so much. That's our show for this week. I hope you enjoyed it. On behalf of everyone here at Podcastle, Anne Leckie, Peter Wood, Anna Schwind, and myself, thanks so much for letting us here at Podcastle share another story with you. We'll be back next time with Patricia Russo's story, The Landholders No Longer Carry Swords. In the meantime, this is Dave Thompson, reminding you to wear your swords and loincloths with pride. Thanks. See you in a week. Podcastle is a production of Escape Artists Incorporated and is distributed on a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. Share it, but don't change it or sell it. Our theme music is by Shiva in Exile. You can find them at magnatune.com. You can discuss this episode of Podcastle or nearly anything else on our forums. Just visit forum.escapeartist.info. And if you like science fiction or horror, be sure to visit our sister podcasts, Escape Pod and Pseudopod. And if you enjoyed this episode, tell a friend or post to your blog about it or consider donating via the PayPal link on our site. George R. R. Martin said, Never forget what you are, for surely the world will not. Make it your strength. Then it can never be your weakness. Armor yourself in it, and it will never be used to hurt you.